0: What's up? What's up? What's up? <laughs> Welcome to another new episode of Cracking One Open with Mike and Elise. I'm Mike, and I'm Elise. <laughs> oh, yeah! I was doing like crazy announcer. You can insert like like weird sound effects there if you want.
1: Oh, it kind of sounded like a uh, crusty.
0: Oh, my my crusty laugh. Yeah, that's well, because I, I like doing a crusty laugh.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I can't really do any <gasps> Simpsons impressions, but I can do the crusty laugh kind of.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. That's that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> maybe one day i'll get a moses let going or something
1: i know that's your goal
0: yeah i'd love to just do a homer voice too but yeah that's yeah or just a full-on crusty if i can start with the laugh and go on from mm-hmm. there this is a weird segue let's let's it go is. like hold on let me let us let's bring it back to the beer
1: meow hey all you cool cats cats and kittens <laughs> 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 I had to bring that back around uh so this week we are coming to you with one of the cutest beers ever. Yes, it is. It actually came very highly recommended by our sister-in-law, Katie. It's called Baby Kittens, and it's from Fat Orange Cat Bruco, which is located in East Hampton, Connecticut.
0: That's right, Katie. So if we don't like this beer, this is on you. This is on <laughs> you. This is a terrible episode. It's your <gasps> fault. It's her fault. You heard it here first.
1: <laughs> so we've been meaning to go there and pick up beer for a while because um, it's not easy to find where we are, but we always hear about how good it is. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, it popped up in our local package store this past week, so we, uh, we had to grab it. So Fat Orange Cat, um, they do both small batch beer and large batch beer as part of a collective, which I'll get to in a second. But first and foremost, they are a small seasonal homestead brewery that opened up in late 2016 right out of their barn. They specialize in high quality small batches. And like a few other breweries that we've talked about, they're very conscious about their environmental use and impact. Um, They actually worked with the Yukon Agricultural Extension to develop a waste nutrient management plan, which enables them to use all of their waste materials either right on the property itself or for farm animal feed. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And their property um, actually has a wetland as well and is in the Salmon River watershed area. So they have access to exceptionally high quality well water. That's an interesting little nugget. Exceptionally high quality. (laughs) Uh, So like I mentioned before, Fat Orange Cat also produces large batch beer as part of a collective called the 12% Beer Project, which I think we've mentioned before. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is how they describe that kind of partnership. Quote, it enables us to use our small brew system here on site as a beer test kitchen, constantly offering new beers. We partner and contract brew on a large scale with 12%, enabling us to brew and distribute on a much larger scale while maintaining that small and intimate experience here at the brewery. So it seems like a pretty symbiotic relationship, especially for a smaller brewery and especially right now. Mm-hmm. Yep, um, yep, 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 yep. So I was looking through their website and the other brews that they have available right now. Um, they have some fantastic names that I have to mention really quick because they're so good. Aside from baby kittens, there's Keep Your Claws Sharp IPA. All Cats Are Gray in the Dark, which is ironically <laughs> a, a white stout. And Feed Me a Stray Cat Imperial IPA. (laughs) That one I don't understand, but it's still funny. Um, And obviously, I'm a big fan of the cat theme. Um, And yes, there was a fat orange cat named Billy, nicknamed Brewmaster Billy, Mm. who was the namesake for the brewery itself. Aww. Um, And as a another quick side note, I'm going to apologize in advance because I think we already missed it. But there was a black IPA version of baby kittens called Little Black Cats. So that would have been really interesting to do a a side by side. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, well. But anyway, let's talk about what we do have, which is baby kittens. It's a New England IPA with an ABV of 6.5 percent. And Fat Orange Cat describes it like this. Pale yellow with a fluffy white head, a small nip of bitterness on the front that mellows out to a playful medley of passion fruit, citrus, and peaches. It has a mouthfeel, um, yet it's gentle enough on the palate that you'll want to snuggle all evening on the couch with it. Oh, yeah, I, so I like all the, I like all the kitten-like adjectives. <laughs> Um, so th- for this beer, we've got some of the usual suspects as far as hops go, with a little bit of a twist. Babykins is made with Citra, Simcoe, and Galaxy hops. So Citra is obviously where we're getting a lot of those citrus flavors, like grapefruit, lime, and some tropical fruits, but it's also adding some bitterness. And with the Simcoe, we're getting a lot of those bright citrus flavors, along with the earthy undertones, a lot of grapefruit and pine and herbs. But Galaxy hops, we haven't talked a lot about. If at all, but it's definitely one that I do recall seeing listed on other IPAs that we've had, Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. especially from like two roads. Yep. So it's not something out of left field either. Um, Galaxy hops are a unique Australian breed of hop that's descended from a German variety called Pearl. But what makes Galaxy unique is that it has the highest percentage of essential oils in the industry. And it has amazing peach and passion fruit aromas. And both of those fruits are what Fat Cat used um, in their description. So that tracks. And best used as a late addition. Um, The flavor is very intense right when you use it. And then it kind of mellows out a bit over time as it matures. Matures. Nice. (laughs) So I can't take this cuteness anymore. Let's crack this kitten open. Meow.
0: (laughs) All right. Let's put our our paws around this
1: baby and crack it open. (laughs) There's so many puns. Ooh. It splashed my eye,
0: but <laughs> I think I got a good crack.
1: <laughs> all right. Pale yellow with a fluffy head, can confirm.
0: Mm-hmm. It's a lot lighter than I thought it would be. But really, I had no idea what kind of IPA it was until you just described it, so mm-hmm. I don't know why I thought it'd be darker. I was expecting something more in the lizard's breath variety of color, I think, for no reason at all. <laughs> <laughs> but like that golden hue, that yeah. darker golden hue. But no, it is lighter. It does have a nice head. Not overly huge, not overly fluffy, very pourable, but not.
1: Yeah, not so much that you like get halfway through the glass yeah. and then have to wait for the head to go down, but it is very fluffy.
0: Very fluffy, very foamy head. But I did notice a lot of carbonation when I was pouring it in. Now that it's mm-hmm. a little hazier, now that I've poured it with that pale yellow, so you can't see the bubbles.
1: Yeah, it's not extremely hazy, but it's pretty hazy.
0: I will say, I can't seem to get much smell. It might, might be because my head is I'm a little getting, bigger than yours.
1: I'm getting a lot of pine and grapefruit right up front. But that tracks right with the uh, the description. I'm not getting passion fruit or peaches. Maybe that's more in the taste. In, in the taste.
0: Well, I'm going to stop putting my nose in it because I just keep getting foam in there.
1: <laughs> Let's clink it and drink it.
0: Oh, I get that peach.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: I get that peach big time.
1: It's juicy. Oh, yeah. Oh, that is good. Thank you, Katie.
0: Yeah, that's refreshing. Yeah, that's nice. That's so easily drinkable. There's like no, mm-hmm. bit there's very little bitterness in this IPA.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: A little on the tongue while you're sipping it, but nothing residual.
1: Mm-mm.
0: Big time, big time peach. Mm-hmm. A little bit of that passion fruit.
1: Yeah. I think it kind of plays off of the passion fruit, but while it really showcases the peach.
0: Yeah. Melts it down. It's not like peachy, like peach jam, which is no. a delicious beer by two roads, which I think I want to do an episode on later because I love it so much. <laughs> um,
1: and it changes every year.
0: Well, does Peach Jam Road Jam does Road Jam Road does. Jam might be another good one to do an episode on. Mm-hmm. That's like because there's so much we could talk about Road Jam. But anyway, yes, <laughs> the peach is really subtle because it's because you're not a big peach fan. No, so it's, it's although good. I will this say the flavor
1: bit. is growing on me with all of the the popularity of the these IPAs using peach as such a predominant flavor.
0: Does that it's, mean that you might be open to having a peach cobbler at some point soon?
1: I'm always willing to make it for you. I just might not eat it myself. No, it's
0: eating it. I want you to eat
1: it. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> so this is
0: really good. Yeah, now I can smell it. Now that the foam's gone down, I poured myself a much bigger head than she did. Hmm. You just get this fruity. You get this fruity nose. I can't discern what smell I get. I just get no. this slightly sweet fruity nose and the pine. But then you drink it, and it's like so refreshing. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like it cools. Maybe because I've before this, I was drinking like half a pot of coffee. <laughs> but it does really cool. Like I can feel it going down, like really cooling myself. Like yeah. this is a good some. Like if I went to like, let's say we go to fat orange cat mm-hmm. the summer or whatever, like next time, whenever we visit it and it's warm outside. Yeah. I warm in the brewery. This is a great beer to have in the summertime. This is like us sitting on the deck, drinking it kind of a beer.
1: I think we found a lot of those beers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we did right before the summertime, which is a good timing.
1: Yeah. that's. But, Good point. it's
0: kind of weird that there's not as many we already talked about early springtime beers yeah because this is another like straight into like warm weather kind of a beer
1: yeah for sure but i mean i i wouldn't not drink this during the warm or i'm sorry during the cold cold weather either
0: well yeah because you just kind of you don't like a lot of the wintery kind of beers that much mm. but yeah i don't i don't know if i would this is this is very much like a a light fruity refreshing. IPA there's something about it that's really it's
1: very refreshing it's yeah very light
0: I don't want to say like menthol or mint but it almost has that kind of effect on like when I'm drinking it like the the back of my throat and like going down it's like very cooling it's got a very big cooling effect
1: I that's a, a, a very it. weird description but I understand it yeah
0: right? we talked <laughs> there was a beer not I don't think it was the last one we did but a couple yeah. of beers ago where no, had the, the last one the, the last, last one? one
1: yeah uh, the holes, the um, what the, beak. the had, beak had, one of the hops was, um, had a spearmint. No, that
0: was last, that was the last week's episode. Mm-hmm. Wow. Everything's blurring together.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Quarantine <But> yeah. time.
0: <laughs> so that, that one, I, I, I got a little bit and on this one as well, mm-hmm. like this really big cooling effect, which I've, I've only really gotten on, you know, you get the sessions, which mm-hmm. like scream summertime for sure. Yeah. And this for sure but isn't I, I a session. Like,
1: I feel like the sessions are, are more, more happy, more bitter. They are than this. more bitter.
0: That's the thing. It's like this gives me this cooling sensation. It might not be as crushable. Like, I don't think I could go through as many of, the, of these because while they're very drinkable and cooling, I don't, I think it's a little heavier than a session. Yeah. It's definitely a lot heavier yeah. than a session, but it's, it's got this really big refreshing note to it yeah. that makes me really want to just sit outside and drink it in like the, the warmer weather, which mm-hmm. right now today would have been a good day to do that, but it. Turned out to be a cloudy day. Yeah, like most was, of April. It
1: was nice this morning, but
0: <laughs> oh, April!
1: Uh, Mother nature hates us. Well, she, she's like, stay the f*** home.
0: <laughs> where where we at? Oh, you swore you're gonna have to beep
1: that. Uh, <sighs> I didn't. I didn't use the the bleeps the past couple episodes, but I guess now that you mention it, I got to bring it back. The bleeps are more fun.
0: Motherfucker, beeps. <laughs> uh, make it harder for you. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is fantastic. So I guess I'll go over the can now.
1: Yeah. I'm excited about this can.
0: <laughs> so the can is is got the wraparound label sticker where it's got that like half an inch gap like most of the craft brewery cans. Mm-hmm. The label itself is this Kind of Crayola green, I would say, color. Yeah. It has fat orange cat right at the top, and it looks like a a hand drawn, just black letters that say fat orange cat. Mm -hmm. And obviously, it's orange font. And I feel like that's most of their fonts kind of seem like hand drawn, which is nice. It's in
1: such a hand drawn style that reminds me of Rugrats for some reason. Like, I want, I can hear, ba ba.
0: Which is doo, kind of doo, doo, doo. <laughs> kind of our style for our logo, too, which is like, yes. that's kind yes. of our crack one open. That's what we were <laughs> going do. That is our nineties. That 90s Nickelodeon slash MTV aesthetic. <laughs> uh, and then baby kittens, same way, block letters, colored, edged in black and then filled in in white. And then all throughout it are these hand-drawn cats with these adorable little smiles.
1: And they all have their own little personalities. They do. Some of them And are, it's all, they're all different shades, but the shades coordinate. It's
0: orange and purple it's any shade from orange to purple it mm-hmm. looks like and they yeah they all have their own personality they're all smiling but some of them are like meek smiles <laughs> like head down looking up at you some of them I, are kind of like side to the side I like, like the hey. one in
1: back that's doing the meerkat thing
0: yeah one of them standing up like what's going on some of them are coy and clever some of them are nice some of them are sweet some of them are just happy
1: I didn't say, does it say anything about the, the artist on there? I didn't see anything I don't on know. the website I do know as that, far
0: that, as credits go. In the foreground of these, it's got to be for 8, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13. So I think it's like 21 cats on there. <laughs> uh, the main cat on the very front is a fat orange cat. Oh, yeah. And he doesn't take up much more room than the other cats, but he's but a decent, noticeable. A no, noticeable that he's yeah. the main cat, which is nice. He's got these big old eyes smiling at you.
1: I wonder if that's supposed to be uh, the fat fat orange master cat. Billy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And obviously your government warning is actually taking up just a tiny bit of space. It's very subtle, very subtle, also hand drawn on the side of the can, which is this maybe one of the first times where a can is hand drawn and the government warning is hand drawn as well. Not in the typical font, mm-hmm. although it's written, it's hand drawn to kind of copy the typical font, uh, which is really, really interesting. Sorry, I got a little bit burpy there. <laughs> There's a lot of bubbles in this one. It's yeah. not super carbonated, but. Twelve percent Beer Project is in the little tiny kind, uh, tiny right hand corner, just like a little tag in orange that says Twelve Percent Beer Project.
1: Okay, I was going to ask what that. 2.5 alcohol said,
0: yeah. volume, one pint, hazy New England style India IPA, brewed and canned by Fat Orange Cat Brew Co., North Haven, Connecticut. Distributed by Twelve Percent. North Haven actually, North Haven and Hamden are kind of. I always think of them as almost one in the same because yeah. they're so close I mean, it's together. They're like, not really. It's kind of like
1: the valley where like, and Sonia Derby and Shelton just kind of like. Melt together. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I wonder if they have their own name for their North Haven Hamden little section of themselves. But they, that little section between North Haven and Hamden, there's so many breweries as well. There are, yeah. Um, All popping together, little tiny breweries. You got mm-hmm. Fat Orange Cat, you got Counterweight, you've got yep. No Worries.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, no Worries is Wallingford.
0: Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. I thought it was around there. Oh, whatever. I'll cut that out. <laughs> um, no,
1: actually- no, I don't know. No you you might n- you might be right. I am
0: right, because remember when
1: we were at what, oh, front, Gathering of the front the porch is Wallingford. But oh, yes. F- but front porch is part of um the beer collective. It's part of the one of the collectives that we were just looking at.
0: Yes. The beer collectives are a really cool idea because they allow smaller batch breweries to make bigger batch beer and work together. Mm-hmm. And that's the great thing about craft beer that I at least I think
1: yeah. is that it's all all of these artists essentially working together. Artists slash chemists. <laughs> yeah, it's like,
0: it's like chefs. It's like chefs working together to create like my kitchen's small, but we can create a bigger kitchen together yeah. and share this awesome thing called beer, which is such a community. Like, it just goes to show how it much brings everyone that together. That is such a community driven is thing. Isn't
1: that like historically, like one of the first signs of civilization?
0: <laughs> I've, I think I brought it up in the podcast. Mm-hmm. There's a, there are a lot of anthropologists who think that it was that's what stopped us from being nomadic was the, was fermenting beer and mm-hmm. fermenting beer requires you to stay in one place and over time ferment the beer. And yeah. a lot of anthropologists have now thought that in um, Northern Africa wherever early civilization started, there are signs that that's what caused people to settle down and create more permanent structures and stop being nomadic is because mm-hmm. they were fermenting beer mm-hmm. and beer is the thing that brought us together mm-hmm. as tribes, yep. sat us down yep. and started creating towns around beer. And you see that now. I mean, you saw that. I mean, it makes sense.
1: I mean, we're feeling serious withdrawals just from being able to go to a brewery and hang out and chill and be in that crowd atmosphere and the community of it.
0: I gotta say, like personally, I love quarantine because. But that downside for you. (laughs) I'm not a huge people person. Yeah. Uh. Normally. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Kind of. So I'm enjoying being home. I got. You know, a video game backlog. I got a movie backlog. I'm hanging out with my favorite person right Aww. here. Aww.
1: You're talking about me.
0: I I am. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like I've got other stuff I can do. And I've got activities and hobbies and chores and and side projects and podcasts. And, then, you know, I can still go outside and walk. Mm-hmm. You know, my best friend who I do two play bros with lives <laughs> uh, in the upstairs apartment from me. So it's very it, like I've so everything's pretty simple for me. Yeah. And the only thing I miss really is hanging out at a brewery and talking about beer with the the other bartenders at the, the breweries we go to and, mm-hmm. and hanging out and that like you said, that community atmosphere. Everyone's enjoying the beer. Most people, if you're talking to somebody at the brewery, are talking about the beer like, Oh, you like that? Yeah, I like that because I like this and that. And it's have just, you tried this? Yeah. Do you like this? Yeah. It's one of the best conversations I had at a brewery was I went at like 1 p.m. because I took a little mini vacation at Two Roads. I
1: know exactly where this is going. Oh, we yep. talked
0: about Road Jam and I talked about how I didn't like Road Jam because I only had it the one time. And that guy, like we're talking and he knew a lot about Road Jam. It's like, well, mm-hmm. you know, it changes every year and this and that. And they do these different ingredients. And he knew all about it because he talked to the, the bartenders when he first started going mm-hmm. to Two Roads as well. And like they talk Road Jam together. And it's such a community driven thing. And it's so awesome. And The. Community even between craft breweries seems so inclusive. You know, there's so many popping up all over the place. Mm-hmm. You know, Southern Connecticut, back when we first went to Two Roads, to, that really started us enjoying breweries and yeah. all that. And Two Roads is really responsible for us, <laughs> for our
1: craft beer <laughs> obsession.
0: <laughs> and they were almost the only game in town for the most part.
1: Yeah, well, we really I mean, we're of. talking back in like 2012.
0: Yeah. And, you know, there was Thimble Island and Two Roads. Yeah. And that was essentially it in yep. our area. And now like everybody's opening up and there's so many, but so many are not just like, it's not like, like well, screw you. I'm going to compete against yeah, you. Yeah,
1: no, there's not a rivalry at all.
0: There might be like bigger breweries that don't participate as much as others, but even still then, you know, they all still all get together. Like let's say take two roads. Yeah. Which I keep talking about two roads on <laughs> a fat orange cat, but <laughs> two roads seems they don't collaborate as much as other breweries mm-hmm. because they're a bigger brewery. They do yeah, national they have and stuff like that. They have they have to stick with what they got. But they even still, <laughs> they host like the Gathering of the Binds, which so many different breweries. Like I would yep. never have had so many different beers like Alvarium. Yep. I would never have had if not Gathering of the Binds yep. because I had it there and it was amazing. And now I'm like obsessed with Alvarium and I still have to even go Even though there. we have to go there. <laughs> but that beer was so good and I would never have known that if not for Two Roads, encouraging me to try these other craft breweries that are yeah. around. And, you know, Tribus and... Dockside even already has a tab, even though they just opened for collaborations on mm-hmm. their, their brew list. They haven't had one yet, but they've got an opening. But they're it. hanging yeah, hills, they're ready for I think, it. used to collaborate with a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And even though they're gone now, mm-hmm. they want to still collaborate. And they were part of the places places as well. Yep. work for collectives and work like that. And every brewery seems to want other breweries to survive and thrive and encourage each other and, that's and awesome. work together. And that's so cool. And you don't see that in any business. You know, you don't see restaurants going together and be like, hey, you know, like, let's say our local restaurants like that are burger themed or like Plan B and maybe Wooden Tap. Yeah. Are both kind of like local restaurants that have but chains those, and they don't go, yeah. hey, let's work together to make a super burger that yeah. restaurants or anything. <laughs> and it's like no one does that. And breweries are like, no, let's get together and we'll make this beer the that we The best beer possible. Yeah. That like your ideas and my ideas. Let's bring them together and make something awesome. Mm-hmm. And I know this has been a long rant. But that's something like the 12% beer project and all that and Fat Orange Cat being essentially in somebody's backyard. As far as I know, I still have yep. to go there, but the that's what it seems like, yeah. it's just, it's just, they're welcoming you into their home and being like, mm-hmm. let's enjoy some stuff. Yeah. And that is so cool. And so historically beer, you go to like, let's say <laughs> brew houses in, in Germany, the, the beer halls. Yeah. Yep, yep, and yep. we in Connecticut, if you're listening to this from another state, we have, I'm sure you all have something similar. Some a place a called lot. THC, yep. which is the hops company. And they have this big brew house where they have you know pizza and crepes and burgers and like oh, like I don't know if they have burgers but nachos and all these weird little stations mm-hmm. and they're all these weird com- these different companies selling their food out of this one beer hall. Yep, almost like a food court kind of thing. And they have their own, but they have tap all different kinds all of, different beer, different and all and of beer and all of the tables are community tables, yeah, even it, outdoors. Mm-hmm. And it's this old German beer house. Mm-hmm. And you look at Viking Society and their their beer houses as well. They're their halls. I mean, they're heaven. <laughs> for Warriors is a beer hall where yeah. everyone's together just chilling and relaxing and having a good time. And that's so cool and so inherent to to breweries.
1: Like the culture of beer itself. The,
0: the culture of beer, the culture yeah. of community. You know, granted, I'm not, we've done a wine before and we follow Knocking Point and Knocking Point's big on joining their community and, and talking together and they have mm-hmm. their big get-togethers like any brewery does up in uh, Walla Walla, yep. Washington. But I don't know, and we have quite a few wineries of our own down here. We do, but I don't know of any that really collaborate on on wines and stuff like that.
1: I've n- well, know? yeah, we're we're or just not that deep into wines, but I really don't think that that is, a, is thing, a thing, right?
0: And and so it's so interesting and and so awesome in in the society of beer, yeah. And I think that's what sets it apart from pretty much everything else, and why they're they're thriving nowadays. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe not the last. Few months because of situations, but that just also goes to show maybe.
1: Yeah, I mean, why? It, because it,
0: there's such a community.
1: Yeah. Thing that's w- that's why breweries are able to survive in this time is because all the the people like us, the craft brew enthusiasts, that really just want to try new things and support the the companies that we love, and
0: well, that's why we we're looking that-
1: forward to <laughs> being able to go back <laughs> to the breweries at some point, and.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Hmm. Meow, <laughs> baby kittens. Meow.
0: It's yeah, so this good. beer is really good. It's really drinkable. It's it's got this nice haze. It's super refreshing. It is a little heavy. A little bit. So it does stop you from like having you said. Like, I don't
1: think that we could finish off like the whole pack tonight. But
0: no. So like if you're on a deck and you and you're drinking like it's a hot day, you can have like one. But then you're gonna probably switch to something else. But yeah, I would have this on a deck in the sun. Absolutely, like just chilling outside. Yeah, and that can't be said for a lot of hazy IPAs. I don't think a lot of hazy IPAs no. are like. I don't like. It. I want this inside. Yeah, air conditioned. <laughs> this is one of the only IPA hazy IPAs, and I do like hazy IPAs where I would have it outside because mm-hmm. it, it's got this weird cooling effect as you drink it, which is awesome. And I'm really partial to peach. I love, I love peaches. So <laughs> yeah, don't say. <laughs> I think this is this is this is my cup of tea in terms of like a hazy IPA for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we will definitely be picking this up again.
0: But I'm glad that my first experience with Fat Orange Cat, because as much as we've heard about it, like you said, this is mm-hmm. our first one. Yeah. I'm glad it's...
1: It's so good. It's good. really good.
0: <laughs> I'd have been disappointed if the first one we had was like, yeah, this is good. But this is good.
1: So what do you say? Shall we Shall we move on to so our little...
0: a little pop, pop culture pop news and Pop
1: culture tidbits.
0: Sure. I just wanted to rant about brew community stuff, so... Want me to go first? I want you to go
1: first. <laughs> all right. Well, Deadline announced yesterday morning that a live action Goosebumps series. Ooh, like a Goosebumps is just in the works. About it. <laughs> so, obviously, this is based on the R.L. Stein book series that we were all obsessed with in elementary school. I know personally, it was one of my favorite things to collect from the book fair.
0: It was okay. I, <gasps> I liked them. I collected it from the book fair. My brother more did than me. Oh. But yeah, they were good. I was never as obsessed with Goosebumps. I'm a uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark Kid.
1: No, that's fair. I, they're not mutually exclusive. And also, on a side note, I definitely collected Goosebumps in elementary school, but by the time I got to middle school, I was on that Fear Street wave, which is also technically R.L. Stine. I vaguely recall Fear but, Street. Oh, man. Like, as creepy as Goosebumps was, Fear Street, like, I... Was
0: that for, like, older kids? Yeah. See, I was... <laughs> I was a boxcar children guy at oh, the yeah. book club and uh, Animorphs. So that's oh, what I collected. Yep. And like those were my two. And then my brother was more Goosebumps and the Star Wars Galaxy of Fear books, mm-hmm. which were like really creepy Star Wars really? stories in the in the Star Wars universe. They had holographic covers. Okay. I so like zombies that. in the Star Wars world, and like Han oh, Solo and Chewbacca weird. go on a space station filled with Imperials and the Imperials get bitten by zombies and Han <laughs> Solo. But they always have to protect like this teenager like Runaway or whatever it was always a character. They were really good. And I don't think my brother actually ever read one, but he always collected them. So I just read them. Same with the Goosebumps <laughs> books. So those were like our jams. So that's what our <laughs> bookshelves were filled up for young adult novels anyway. I,
1: I always collected a Goosebumps and then some like other random young adult novels. But yeah, Goosebumps were like the mainstay for my my book fair collections so scholastic entertainment uh, which is their media division is teaming up with neil h moritz who produced both of the goosebumps movies as well as sony pictures tv to develop this television series so i have some fun facts goosebumps is one of the best-selling book series of all time with 350 million english language books in print Plus international editions with thirty-two other languages.
0: But how many did they sell?
1: That I don't know, um, but apparently it doesn't matter because the three hundred fifty million <laughs> <laughs> U.S. is uh, enough. Orl Stein. Um, also, the original live-action series from the from the nineties was ranked number one for five consecutive seasons. That's pretty impressive.
0: That is very impressive.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so obviously with, with this announcement being so fresh, there are no dates, but if you're feeling nostalgic right now, the classic TV series is streaming on Netflix, Amazon, YouTube, Google Play, and Voodoo, among others. And yes, I already added it to our queue. And as you <laughs> noticed, uh, I was watching Say Cheese and Die earlier today. I <laughs> which, which stars a baby Ryan Gosling, fun fact. <laughs>
0: Those with what the mask,
1: the haunted mask. I own that on VHS. <laughs> that Actually, always,
0: that was always my favorite. That's my favorite cover, and I think that's the cover that most people associate goosebumps yes, with. Yes,
1: I would agree as well. That's one of my top top books. I own the VHS, <laughs> and, <laughs> and I would also agree that that's like that's the the image that you associate with goosebumps.
0: But the, oddly enough, that's not the character you associate goosebumps goosebumps with. No, because the character is the puppet,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which is interesting. Yeah. That's not the book cover you see in your head, but that's always the character that you identify with Goosebumps, yep. which is always very interesting. Who I believe is the main bad guy of the second movie.
1: Oh, really? Seen. But yes,
0: I believe he's the main bad guy.
1: Okay, very cool. Yes, yeah, so yeah, that's what I have.
0: Ooh. I got a little bit of a a science thing for you. Oh. So it's it's science and pop culture. It it, it tracks. <laughs> So there has been a new species discovered of green pit vipers Mm -hmm. uh, in India, and the researchers have given it a very awesome name. So can you guess what the name was based on? A pit viper? Can you guess what, what series it's based on, the name?
1: Well, with snakes, yeah, my my first instinct is Harry Potter, how always. You'd be
0: correct. <laughs> what?
1: How did I not know about
0: this? <laughs> so in the journal of zoo systematics and evolution, the research team called the species, which can <gasps> be found in East and Southeast Asia, Trimerosaurus Salazar. Ooh! After Harry Potter vs. Pure Blood Wizard Salazar Slytherin. Yes! It is named after one of the four founders of Hogwarts. Along with and get ready to uh <clears throat> Get turned on. and about to, I'm <laughs> going to throw out some good facts here. Oh, yeah? Rowena Ravenclaw, <gasps> Helga Hufflepuff, and Godric Gryffindor. Salazar Slytherin was a parcel mouth, which means he could speak snake, and he was a mind reader. Mm-hmm. He was the noble founder of House Slytherin. It's true. So uh, it's one of 48 species of this genus found in the region of Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. It's got a orange reddish stripe found on the side of its head in the males. And uh, Salazar's Pit Viper is the nickname of this Viper. And it's very green. It's a very cool Viper. It definitely that seems, is... if I show you a picture, it definitely seems like it would indeed speak Slytherin.
1: That actually, that looks like the, my rain boots, my chartreuse rain boots. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, so that's a little bit of a fun fact that connects to our pop culture mm. thing. Uh, and I
1: enjoy that. Yeah,
0: I know that you're a big Harry Potter fan and I do love
1: Harry no. Potter.
0: Uh, <laughs> I do love myself some Harry Potter Park at Universal. And yeah. I am a big Fantastic Beast fan, which it makes I'm-
1: me very happy that you enjoy Harry Potter World so much.
0: <laughs> and uh Fantastic Beast three. I'm a big Fantastic Beast fan, and unfortunately mm-hmm. the third one has been delayed due to everything going on. But um hopefully it'll although be out I am glad too, too long
1: in semi-related pop culture news that I can feel good about being a Johnny Depp fan again. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that uh, about wraps it up for for us this week. Ooh. So Fat Orange Cat Baby Kittens is a very delicious, very drinkable IPA. If you can find it where you are, I highly recommend picking it up, especially if you can support the 12% uh, Beer Project and catch them all. That's right. <laughs> Do your your curbside to go and
0: support local. support local. That's right.
1: So thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. And if you enjoyed it, please share it with your friends and subscribe to catch our future episodes. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Kraken1Open. And is there anything you would like to plug? If you
0: enjoy the sound of my voice, as I say every episode, <laughs> uh, I do two other podcasts. I had do Forgotten Cinema that I do with my buddy writer, director Mike Field, where we talk about films that for whatever reason seem to be forgotten by audiences, whether it be because a more popular movie seem, uh, was released at the same time or the movie simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. Forgotten Cinema, my podcast will go over what the movie's about, fun facts about the movie's productions, why it was forgotten and why maybe you should give it a second chance. And that's available wherever podcasts can be found. You can also find us at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com. I've also got two player bros that I do with my buddy Dave Cannon. It's about Mm -hmm. two guys who play way too many video games. Join us each episode as we do a deep dive on a new video game. Sometimes it's new, sometimes it's old. Due to the pandemic, some of our video game suggestions might be a little older because not a lot of new releases are coming out. Although, Last of Us Part 2 and Ghost of Tsushima for PlayStation 4, we're on track for a summer release, which is cool because it gives us contact content, which is good, but uh, <laughs> we do a deep dive into the making of the game, how it was made, the studio behind it, and also our thoughts on the game. Mm-hmm. That's out every week as well. You can find us at TwoPlayerBros.com or wherever podcasts can be found as well.
1: Sounds good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and a special thanks for our theme, which was composed and performed by Joe Reichert. Till next time. Cheers. 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 <laughs>
0: Oh, wrong theme song. <laughs> <laughs>